We're in Genesis chapter 4 this morning. If you would like to be turning there in your text, thank you for being with us today. We have several visitors with us today. We're glad that you are here. We're studying through the book of Genesis now on Wednesday nights, and on Sundays we're trying to uh, preach from themes in the book of Genesis. Today we're going to be looking at Cain and Abel and, and the principle of choices. As you think about Genesis chapter 3 and uh, the beginning in the garden, the entrance of evil into the world through the uh, mouth of Satan himself, you, you recall that <clears throat> Satan did not force the woman and the man to sin. They, they sinned of their own accord. They, they made the choice to sin. And sometimes as we talk about that, we make a point that from the very beginning, it's, it's obvious that man was given volition. That is to say, some people say, well, we have the right to choose for ourselves. It's not just a right to choose. We have the obligation to choose. God gave to us the responsibility to make choices. And Adam and Eve made a choice regarding the fruit that was forbidden, and they sinned against God. And as a result, in Genesis chapter 3 and verse 15, you underline this, I'm sure, in your text on Wednesday night when we talked about this, first messianic prophecy. In Genesis chapter 3 and verse 15, God said to the serpent, I'm going to put enmity between you and the woman, between your offspring or your seed and her offspring or her seed. And he will bruise your head and you will bruise his heel. That is the first of the messianic prophecies in the Bible when God is indicating to Satan, okay, you were successful in this first round. You won the battle, but you're not winning this war. And from that point forward, the story of the Bible is the unfolding of the narrative of how God is going to be victorious over Satan, how good is going to triumph over evil, how righteousness is going to triumph over sin, and it all has to do with Jesus Christ. But this enmity that God spoke of in Genesis 3 verse 15 is going to be readily seen immediately in the offspring of Cain and Abel. You're going to see the good seed, and you're going to see the evil seed. You're going to see the one, the seed that is after righteousness, and the seed that is after iniquity. That is going to become obvious here. So in Genesis chapter 4, and in verse uh, number 1, the text said, says, Now Adam knew his wife, and she conceived and bore Cain, saying, I have gotten a man with the help of the Lord. And again, she bore his brother Abel. Now Abel was a keeper of sheep, and Cain was a worker of the ground. And so, two immediate observations here. Number one. Both Cain and Abel started off with the same advantages. They just made different 
choices. And I, I mean by that, <clears throat> that they're both born into the same family. They're born in the same place. They're born in the same family. It's not like one of them was born, you know, in, in Europe and one of them uh, was born down in South America. They're born in the same place. And it's not like one of them had really good parents and one of them had really bad parents. They had the same parents. I, I, I want you to know that whatever is going to distinguish Cain and Abel, it, it's not going to be that, well, you know, given their circumstances in life and their uh, advantages or their disadvantages, that explains the situation. That does not explain the situation. That, that does not explain it at all. The text says in verse 3 that in the course of time, Cain brought to the Lord an offering of the fruit of the ground. He was a farmer. And Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and, their, and of their fat portions. And the Lord had regard for Abel and his offering, but... For Cain and his offering, he had no regard. So, Cain was very angry, and his face fell. The Lord said to Cain, why are you angry? And why has your face fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, Sin is crouching at the door. Its desire is for you, but you must rule over it. Cain spoke to his Abel, his brother, and when they were in the field, Cain rose up against his brother Abel and killed him. Why did he do that? Why is it that Abel was righteous and he did what was right and Cain was unrighteous, and he did what was wrong. Why is it? And I want to say to you, it's because he made a choice. And what God is going to say to Cain immediately is, obedience is a choice. If you do well, will you not be accepted? Do you see that in the text? It is absolutely clear that God is saying to Cain, you have a choice. You have a choice, just like your brother Abel had a choice. You have a choice. And if you do well, that clearly, clearly implied in the statement that God is making to him is that it is within his power to choose to do what is right. I want to tell you, this idea that we are born tainted with original sin, and, and uh, we are completely depraved. There's no way that we can choose to do what is right because we're so messed up because of our parents and our grandparents and their parents and their grandparents, and, and it's just been passed on to us, and so now we just can't help. That is not so. And, and God is saying to Cain right now, you have a choice. If you do well, if he, if he had no opportunity to do well, then what God is saying to him is cruel, and it is misleading. No, he, he had a choice. Obedience is a choice, and that is exactly what he is saying to Cain on this occasion. You can choose 
to do the right thing. And if you choose to do the right thing, you will be blessed for that. You will be accepted. Do you remember in Joshua chapter 24, as, as the Joshua has led the children of Israel across the Jordan River, after the death of Moses, Joshua becomes the leader. He, they, he takes them across the Jordan. Joshua leads them in battle now as they are conquering the land. As Joshua gets to the end of his life, he, he is realizing that many of the Israelites have still not sanctified God in their hearts. And many of them still have an affection for the gods that their fathers served beyond rivers, uh, the, the idolatry and the paganism that they learned when they were in Egypt, and the idolatry and the paganism of the land in which they are now dwelling. And Joshua says to them, choose today the God that you will serve. Make a choice. And, and so I'm saying to you, what, one of the one of the first things we see as we look at this narrative in Genesis chapter 4 is that we have two individuals who basically have the same advantages, same disadvantages, and each one of them makes a choice, and that includes Cain, and God addresses his choice and reminds him that he can still make a right choice if he so desires. Now, <clears throat> Cain learned some lessons the hard way. I'm going to suggest to you six things. Six things that we need to remember. See all these young people right here? When, when the lesson is over today, I want you to ask them, to tell you two or three of these six things that we learned from Cain. Because these are fundamental lessons that we learn from this narrative in Genesis 4 about Cain and Abel. And these are not little people lessons. These are lessons for all of us. And we need to remember these lessons all of our lives. Number one, the first thing God wants Cain and Abel to remember is that worship matters to God. Cain had to learn that the hard way. Worship matters. Now, now, it may have been that for some time they had been offering worship to God. I don't know. I do not know if this is the first time they have sacrificed to God or if this was another time that they are bringing a sacrifice to God. The text does not uh, give us an indication about that. What we do know is both of them are coming under the guise of offering worship to God. Worship is important. And worship matters. And when we worship, it's not just a matter of showing up for the sacrifice, or we would say, it's not just a matter of going to church. It's not just a matter of going into the building where we're going to worship. When we come together to worship, worship matters to God, and God is looking for the worship that we're offering from our heart, and He wants a worship coming from our heart that is glorifying Him, and the worship that glorifies Him is the worship that is in obedience to His will. That's the worship that glorifies Him, and so 
The text says Cain came, and did, did he show up where everybody was gathering for worship? He did, just like all of us showed up here. Did he offer something to God? Did he go through the motions and offer something to God? He did. Was it acceptable to God? It was not. It was not. Why not? Because, because he was not offering it by faith, meaning he was not doing his worship in the way that God wanted it. In particular, it was not being offered from a heart of faith. It was not being offered from a heart of faith. Jesus is going to say many years later when Jesus is on the earth, he's going to say, but in vain, as he's rebuking some religious people, and they were going to do worship, but they weren't offering the right kind of worship. Worship matters. And Jesus said, in vain. Do you worship me? Teaching for doctrines, the commandments of men. With your lips, you honor me, but your hearts are far from me. Do you know what that means? With your lips, you honor me, but your hearts are far from me. It means with your mouth, you're saying the words, or we could say, with your mouth, you're singing the words. But with your heart, you're not focused on God, and you're not thinking about God, and you're not offering that to God. You're just singing the words. Worship matters. And so I'm reminding you this morning, one of the first lessons we learned that Cain had to learn the hard way is that worship matters to God. Secondly, we learn when, when Cain got angry because God didn't accept his worship, God warned him about his anger. You know what anger does? When, when we get angry about something, we don't think very well in that moment, do we? From the very beginning, the first time that we read about anger in the Bible, you know what happened? Cain got angry, and he didn't make good choices. Because when he got angry, he wasn't thinking right. He wasn't thinking the way God wanted him to think. He was not using good judgment. Anger distorts good judgment. Sometimes when we get angry, we say things that we ought not to say. We say things that are hurtful. We, we say things that are wrong. We say things that are displeasing to God. Cain got angry. And God said to him, do you do well to be angry? And what's the right answer to that? No, he was not doing well to be angry, especially in this moment. It seems that Cain was angry with God, and then he was angry with his brother. What, what did his brother do? His brother did what was right, and God was pleased with his brother. And Cain got angry with his brother. 
Was that right? That was not right. He, his judgment, his reasoning, the way he was thinking was all messed up. Sometimes when we get angry, we, 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 we don't make good decisions. We don't make good choices. And sometimes when we're angry, we do things that when we calm down, we, we wouldn't do. When Moses came down from the mountain and he saw the children of Israel worshiping the golden calf, did he get angry? He did. And what did he do with the tablets of stone upon which the Spirit of God had written the commandments? He threw them down and broke them. He had to go back up for a redo. Anger distorts good judgment. Later, you remember when Moses is leading the children of Israel through the wilderness, and, and they're thirsty again. And the people are murmuring and complaining again. Moses got angry. And God told him to speak to the rock, and the, and the water would come forth. And Moses was angry with the people because they're murmuring and complaining again. And he said, you rebels, am I going to have to give you water? And he struck the rock. And he did not give God the glory. And he was angry. Did he make a good decision? He did not. Anger, anger sometimes motivates us to make bad choices. Thirdly, when he, when he got angry, he made a very bad choice and he killed his brother. And, and God said to him, look, if you do well, will you not be accepted? If you do not do well, listen. If you do not do well, and he was not doing well with his anger. God said, sin is crouching at the door. You're right on the verge of making a bad choice here. And he made a terrible choice. And he took out his anger and his rage on his brother. His brother had not done anything wrong. And had his brother done something wrong, God is the one who would avenge that, not Cain. And then God said to him, look, you, you offered a sacrifice that was not acceptable. If you do what is right, won't you be accepted? You still have the opportunity to do the right thing. I, I want to tell you something. Sometimes, sometimes when we've done the wrong thing and we're in trouble and uh, we have time to stop and think about it and we realize that we made a bad choice, now we have the opportunity to do the right thing. And that's what God is saying to Cain. You have the opportunity to do the right thing still. And if you do, you will be blessed for it. You remember when Simon, after he became a Christian, he, uh, Simon the magician in Acts the 8th chapter, and he saw the apostles laying their hands on, on individuals and they were receiving uh, gifts of the Spirit, and he wanted that and he offered to buy it. And, and uh, Peter rebuked him for his carnality, for his thinking like that, thinking that the gifts of God can be bought with money. 
And he told him to repent. And, and to, he needed to turn back to God so that the thoughts of his heart could be forgiven him. I want to tell you something. When we've made a bad choice, by the grace of God, we're still alive. We're still breathing. We still have the option of doing the right thing, even after we've made a wrong choice. But what Cain found out that was painful is that consequences follow sin. God warned him, he said, Cain, do you do well to be angry like that? No, he didn't do well to be angry like that. And God said, you had better be careful because if you're not careful, you are going to make a bad choice again. And so he did. And in his anger, he killed his brother. And now, because he killed his brother, Cain is going to be cursed, and he's going to be cast out, and he's going to become a fugitive and a wanderer, and that's going to be his punishment. The, the Apostle Paul said, do not be deceived. That is to say, don't, don't kid yourself about this. God is not mocked. Whatever a man sows, that's what he's going to reap. If you sow to the flesh, you will of the flesh reap corruption. If you sow to the Spirit, of the Spirit you'll reap eternal life. Consequences follow sin. Consequences follow righteousness. Consequences follow choices. But then the final thing that we want to remember is that God said to Cain, even after he had made a bad choice about his worship, God said, Cain, if you will do what is right, you can still be accepted. You can still be blessed. And I want to say to you, that that is the blessing. That, that is the blessing. That's that, that, that is what the cross is all about. That is the story of Jesus in the Bible. The, the Bible is not just a message that God made us and, and we messed up. And so now everyone is under the curse of sin. There's much more to the message of the Bible than that. The message of the Bible is that God made us, and we made bad choices, but now, because of Jesus, we can still make a good choice, and we can have forgiveness and eternal life. The psalmist said, God has not dealt with us according to our sins, nor rewarded us according to our guilty deeds, for as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his mercy toward those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far he has removed our wrongdoings from us. How high is heaven above the earth? As high as you can imagine and more. And, and how far? Separated is the east from the west. 
as far as you can imagine, and even more. You know what the psalmist said? That's how far removed our sins are. When we choose to come to Jesus. That's the right choice. If you're here this morning and not a Christian, what a wonderful opportunity this morning to make good choices. If you have never rendered obedience to the gospel of Christ, and in your heart of hearts, you are ready to repent of sins and put on the Lord in baptism, you can do that this morning. If you're a child of God, and you've made some bad choices along the way, and you need to come home, what, what a wonderful opportunity to make a good choice. If you're subject to the invitation this morning, won't you come while we stand together and while we sing?